Hello, Rise Tribe. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, we are finishing up our list of the 10 telltale signs that you may be dealing with a narcissist. Last week, we went over list one through five, and this week, we'll be picking right up at number six. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, make sure you tune in so you're all caught up. If you're new here and you're joining me for the first time, you are in for a surprise. We are covering 10 telltale signs of how to spot a narcissist. So last week's episode, we went over one through five, and this episode will be going over six to 10. I am your host, Pranella Harris, licensed mental health professional. And what I do every week on Mondays at 7 a.m. is provide mental health education and wellness tips. So welcome. I'd like to go ahead and give a shout out to my Rise Tribe, my loyal listeners. Thank you so much for your support. All right, so let's get into it. We're going to be kicking it off with number six. So again, if you have not already listened to last week's episode, go ahead and pause it here and go over to last week's episode so that you are all caught up and it starts here. All right. But before we do that, let's go ahead and hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Restorative Family Services. We are a behavioral health practice. Our mission is to provide quality, affordable, and accessible mental health care to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If you are struggling and in a dark place, we are here to help. Visit our website at www.restorativefamilyservices.com. This podcast is brought to you by Private Practice, where we provide leadership training and practice management coaching specific to helping mental health professionals build their private practice to provide a much needed service for their community. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.privatepractice.com. Okay, we're on number six. Number six is the narcissist lack the ability to empathize. So it's difficult to find emotional safety within the connection because they can't empathize. When you share or you're vulnerable and you open up about something that is hurtful, they will respond in a matter that is a void of emotion right? Because they just lack the ability to be empathetic. They lack the ability to see things from your perspective. And they may try to be helpful by giving you something more analytical, but it doesn't seem to meet that emotional need for comfort. It might be something like, oh, well, you'll get over it. Or, you know, it is what it is or something to that nature. But you'll feel like it's lacking. You will feel unsupported. It is also if the hurt and pain that you're feeling is about them, then they may become defensive and blame you for your own feelings or for them hurting you and may even turn it around on to you to where by the end of it, you feel so confused and so guilty that you end up apologizing to them for even you know, feeling some kind of way or thinking something, but the need for emotional connection goes unmet because they cannot empathize. They can't sit with you in those feelings because they lack that empathy and that emotional maturity. All right, number seven is the relationship seems to be one-sided. 
You're taking on all of the responsibilities of the relationship. You're taking on all the stress, the planning, the emotional needs. It's just no reciprocity, right? And when you try to discuss maybe having a more balanced relationship, it never goes anywhere. They end up blaming you because they can't take ownership or responsibility because it's everyone else's fault. <laughs> and, you know, taking accountability would mean that there's something not perfect within them. And that will just damage their inflated ego. So they typically will blame you. They typically will derail the conversation, gaslight you. But at the end of it all, you still are left without getting your concerns met, without getting your needs met. And typically it's like this because in their mind, they're superior. So your sole purpose is to meet their needs. You know, it's not about reciprocity. It's not about, you know, equal give and take. It's solely about, you know, you're here and you should be grateful that I'm even with you and you're here to meet my needs and to make me happy. And so that is why that relationship feels so one-sided. All right. Number eight is they are moody, you know, Narcissistic individuals, again, have a level of emotional immaturity where their emotions have not been fully matured because the caregiver or the parent emotional neglect happened at such a young age. They're stagnated in their development. So they tend to be impulsive. They tend to struggle to regulate their own emotions. So they tend to shift very quickly from different mood states. And it makes for an uneasy environment because you're not sure of what mood they're going to be moment to moment. So you end up walking on eggshells to avoid any conflict or confrontation. And it's very uneasy for everyone. Number nine is narcissistic individuals are highly critical of others and very judgmental, but they hate being criticized. They cannot take feedback well, and even the slightest criticism sends them into a narcissistic rage. So that's a telltale sign that you might be dealing with a narcissist, someone who is constantly pulling apart other people, taking them apart or judging them for life choices or lifestyles or just the way that they do things. But then in the same token, these individuals don't like being judged, criticized, or even provided with any corrective feedback at all. All right, number 10, the narcissist has a complex relationship with their family members and pay close attention to the relationship that they have with their parents. If their parents are still around, uh, if you're able to observe their parents, pay attention. Is it an emotional close relationship? Is it too enmeshed? Sometimes the boundaries are too enmeshed where, you know, the parent might dote on them. And if they're an adult, make them feel like a child in their presence pay attention to, you know, sometimes parents can overindulge their child where they're enabling a lot of poor behavior or they seem emotionally enmeshed with their children. Maybe they're making a lot of decisions for them or maybe they don't give them that space to be decisive or to operate as an independent person. So take a look at the boundaries, observe, but also look at if the narcissist's person has children. 
how do they treat their children? Because you can also see the boundaries that they have with their children and also how love is dispersed. So in narcissistic families, love is treated as a commodity, something you have to earn. And if you don't do what is asked, it will be removed. So I will love you as long as you are doing what I ask you to do. As long as you're behaving in a way that I want you to behave, you can receive my love. If not, then I'm going to remove my love. And so with the children, no matter what the roles are, because they do have different roles that each child within the family plays, you know, there's the scapegoat, there's the golden child, there is the forgotten child. And so, but each one of them get a ration of love based on how they perform. Okay, if you have a more independent child who wants to be very uh, separate, they are usually treated as a scapegoat and love is withdrawn from them because they're operating outside of what the narcissist wants them to do because they have their own thoughts, their own feeling, and that's not okay. In order to please the narcissist, you have to be malleable. You have to be able to be controlled and manipulated. And when you go against that, the love is going to be removed. So paying attention to those dynamics and educating yourself on what that looks like is going to be very, very helpful in determining whether or not you are dealing with a narcissist. So in conclusion, prevention is key. Educating yourself on toxic and narcissistic traits can be an added barrier of protection against getting involved in these type of relationships. But if you find yourself involved in one of these relationships, exercising boundaries is going to help you maneuver through these relationships and also pouring into yourself with self-love is going to illuminate not just the things about the health of your relationship with this person, but it's also going to illuminate about the things within yourself that you still need to heal. Once you start working on that, once you start healing those wounds, right? You can then start to attract healthier individuals, individuals who won't be demonstrating these toxic traits. So educate yourself about narcissism, educate yourself about self-love, codependency, so that you can have healthier relationships and start working on your healing process. If you find yourself in a relationship like this, Link up with a local mental health professional who can provide you education and support so that you can begin the recovery process from narcissistic abuse. It is not an easy thing to recover from, and it's going to take some time and support. So making sure that you link up with a professional. Tune in next week when I discuss codependency. Until next time, enjoy your day on purpose. If you have found this episode helpful, help us grow our audience. By providing us with a five-star review, you help make this podcast visible to others. Help pull others out of a dark space by showing that you care, by sharing this podcast with them. Nothing is better than a friend or loved one who wants you to up-level your life with them. Thanks for tuning in.